Hello and welcome to Clamp, the Creating, Living, and Making podcast. I'm your host, Morley Kurt, and joining me as always is Grant Alexander. Hello. And Adam Mackey. Hello. What's going on this week, guys? What is in your clamps, Adam? Oh, I get to go first. Um, I've just been editing, really. Uh, editing the draw video for my, um, for my workbench. So I'm currently in the middle of editing the draw video, but then I have every other video being edited at the same time because I want to have every video done before I put out the first one. Um, but the first one's probably actually going to be like the draw pools just as like a general video. And then like, I'll go into doing like the three workbench videos in a row. Hmm. But yeah, so being getting that done, did some voiceover. I, I don't know why I never thought of it before, but like I actually recorded the voiceover halfway through editing because like, well, from what I'm up to, because for some reason I had in my head that I needed to finish the whole video before I went and recorded the voiceover, but I could actually record like what I have done already. And then I got permission of, um, of someone to use their music. So pretty happy about that because I really wanted to use it. That's, That's awesome. super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I had that happen with, uh, one of the first videos I made. Um, and I made the video based on a quote. It was actually from Kung Fu Panda, but it's sampled in like a lo-fi hip hop song. And so I mentioned, I messaged the artist asking if I could use it, like totally expecting no response. Cause he has like millions yeah. of streams on Spotify. And he actually got back to me and it was awesome. Yeah, I, it was awesome. I watched that video and I wondered how you got away with using this music because I was like, it's all Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool that you, cause that was a long time ago that I, I watched that and I went, Oh, I, one, one day he's going to get taken down for that. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole rabbit hole together. The, the copyright situation of, Sampling and lo-fi hip-hop music is actually a very interesting topic if anyone wants to look into it. But I digress. This week, um, I put out the leatherworking toolbox video, which um, I talked about last week, and it got great response. People seem to really like it, um, which I'm really happy about because I definitely like fell in love with the aesthetic with like the brown leather on the black outer case um, and then the... Uh, unstained Baltic birch on the inside. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was very fun to get that out. Um, I was working on a video, not for my channel this week or more specifically yesterday. So uh, the steam project, which is the place where I'm working, they wanted to make a video for national grilled cheese day. So mm. I made a grilled cheese using all of the equipment in the makerspace. Uh, so like the laser cutter, the scroll saw, um, the heat press, the drill press, a little robot, another little robot. Uh, it was a ton of fun. And hopefully, well, when is National Grilled Cheese Day? Um, anyways, I'm not going to be the one editing it. I just filmed it and then passed it on to the next person. So, okay, it's Monday, April 12th, which is actually the day this podcast comes out. So if everything goes according to plan that video should come out on the same date of this podcast. Um, and when it does, I will link it in the show notes. Nice. Um, is it going to come out on TikTok and stuff? Cause that seems like a, what you're doing seems like a TikTok video. I filmed it all in landscape because I think they want to go multi-platform with it. Like uh, probably edit it for each. Mm-hmm. So it will be on their YouTube channel, probably be on Instagram, uh, probably TikTok as well. Cool. Uh, yeah, I so. saw you. Like there was a little forklift, yeah, like thing. Yeah, that looked fun. Yeah, so fun fun fact that I I learned about those. Um, that is actually an entirely open source robot system called SMARS. Uh, it stands for the Screwless Modular Assemblable Robotic System. Um, so you mm. can download the. I haven't looked super into it, but I know it's what we use at the Steam Project. So. You can download the 3D printable STL files. Um, you could you literally 3D print tank treads that you put onto them, and I think you can get all like the software and stuff as kits. They're really cool. Uh, they have all these different attachments. Uh, you can put like a bulldozer bucket on them and a forklift like <laughs> the one I had in the little video. So if you're into if you want to make a little robot, check out Smars robots. They're pretty cool. They look awesome. Um, yeah, they're fun. 
they're a little finicky, but uh, especially when kids make them. <laughs> um, it looked fun. Yeah, and I've just been skating every day, which has been tons of fun. Um, I've really been missing like an extreme sport. It's been a little while since I've done one. And the feeling of just like progressing every day and spending an hour getting into like this really great state of just progression and come inside and is exhausted. It's just been, it's been a great way to like just be active and uh, yeah. So it's been good. I used to skate heaps when I was younger and then I got too fat for it, but it's secretly one of my goals for like when I finally lose weight to get back into it because I used to love it. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. I need yeah. to get some new shoes though. Cause I've, I'm quickly destroying my like three-year-old running shoes. <laughs> I, uh, I have only ever fallen. I've never skateboarded. It's never too late. Mm. We I, went to, I, um, sorry, I yeah. was going to say we went to, we went to, um, I guess you could call it a fair where you are, but, um, we have like this thing every year. It's called the Sydney Royal Easter show. And it's like a, pretty much a fair and they have they had like um skate skateboarders on like ramps and stuff as like shows and they had this massive ramp and this five-year-old was like dropping in on this massive vert like it was insane Hmm. nice like my son my son turns five in less than a month and he could i'm like that's insane to think that he could do that like if he had the training but yeah yeah grant what have uh, you been up to this week well, it has been drawer city around here. I have been assembling. Yeah, I've been assembling drawers. <laughs> um, if you can believe it, I don't have enough clamps, so I do one at a time. Um, you know, basically, I've been putting a drawer together like every hour. Um, not exactly on the hour, but I'm like when I have the time, I go in there as long as it's been an hour since the last one I put together. Uh, but I, I'm sure there's a more efficient way to do this. And I do have more clamps that I could use, but like they're big giant pipe clamps that just like make trying to do the job really difficult. And uh, it might be more efficient to have like five of them on the go at once, but I, I don't think I would enjoy it. And I just thought, you know, sometimes it's it's not worth making the most efficient choice. So as someone that's like into cars and everything, surely you have a thousand ratchet straps around, right? So you can't use the ratchet straps. I don't actually have a lot of them, but you can't use them because when you do uh, box joints, the uh, the the fingers like expand a little bit past. Yeah. So you'd have to use like clamping calls and then it becomes like all of a sudden now you're like in a really annoying thing. But couldn't you use two ratchet straps just in side from from those fingers yeah so like how you would be using the pipe clamps just have a ratchet strap going right around you i'm sure you could i don't know if you'd get the right uh thing but that could be that is definitely a way to to increase efficiency if i had a lot of extra ratchet straps but it's more about like at what point do you worry about getting something done and what point do you worry about just you know trying to be the most efficient um Something that I thought I try to be, would be a good conversation to have. I try to be really careful with trying to be as efficient as possible because you don't want to worry about efficiency until you have a good product. And like, you know, the worst thing in the world is having to undo a bunch of work that you've already done or look back on it and realize that you should have changed something. So I, I think it's it's really important to to know when you should not try to be efficient. So like, for example, like the makerspace, I had to cut up a ton of eighth inch Baltic birch plywood because that's our stock for the laser. We use it for our the kits. It is a very commonly used material in the shop. So it was a massive stack. It was probably about like, it was over a foot thick and a five wow. by five sheets. And so there's a lot of steps to cut it up. You know, we had to rip it into strips and then cut it on the miter saw. And it was all systematic, right? Like you want to be efficient in that sort of situation. However, 
I didn't want to choose a system immediately and start working off of that. Like the first couple of batches each time I made sure to kind of like play around a little bit and stay really conscious of like what all the problems are and what I should adjust and probably didn't really get into a good flow until like 50% of the way through. But that last 50% just flew. And, you know, if I had latched onto a system before then, it probably would have taken like a third longer. So, you know, but that, but that is something where you actually would want to be efficient, which is, you know, different from if you're just making something for fun or, um, you're not literally doing production. Well, while I was actually gluing up some drawers, I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to, uh, because we make, and they were talking about, the uh, the robot army that the that Vincent has with his like CNC and his three D printers and his laser and whatever and and he was talking about how much more efficient it is that he the way he works because he was looking at getting a shaper um, so like the handheld CNC and for what he wants to do which is like batching out product a handheld CNC means you have to be there and do your work it's not very efficient. Right. And he, and Ben from yeah, uh, sure. Make for Life Workshop convinced him to get a real CNC router system. Right. And I think about that and I go, I have no, like almost no desire for producing product, but I think a CNC would be really cool for those things that I'm not capable of doing. Um, and so I think maybe a shaper is in the future for me, you know, because I'm not batching out anything. I don't need that efficiency. Yeah, but a CNC doesn't need to be purely for efficiency. It can be for exactly what you said is the use case of the shaper in getting a larger degree of accuracy than you could on your own. I think they're just they are just different tools. They, yes. So the only thing I'll say is if you don't have the room for a CNC. True. That's a good point. But right. But if you're debating about what tools to have in your shop, you should consider uh how often you're going to use it for, for that type of thing. Like you need to think about these things. You can't just go, I'm going to do it. Uh, like it's just something that I go, you know, like you have to really think, how are you going to use this thing before you figure out whether or not it's going to be the most efficient process? I think what my plan when I was going to get a CNC was like, we do want to do production stuff as well, but doing the things that like either I'm not interested in doing, or as you said, don't have the capability in a way to do like, so I have a plan. Um, unfortunately he knows about it now, but I'm going to be making eventually a full size TARDIS, but it's going to be an arcade machine. So, um, so like one of the walls, like the front or whatever, will have like an opening where like the screen and, and controls and all that will be. So I'm going to be making that for my mate. I'm going to wait till I get a CNC because I really cannot be bothered to go around and cut out all of the windows and everything to perfection when I can just make a CNC do it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not overly interested in that part of the making. Right. And if someone handed you a shaper origin, that would work out perfectly for that case, right? Yeah. It would work out for that one project. It wouldn't maybe be the best project for like tool for you. But if someone mm. said, Hey, can you, you, you want to test this out? It would work for that one project. And it would yeah. be perfect, it, just as efficient as the other one. I, I can see like the shaper being good for things like how David Prosciutto just did like the inlay on his um, on his workbench, something like that. But like, I want if I'm going to buy a CNC, I want it because I don't want to do the work, or <laughs> I want to be able to set it up and walk away and do something else. Like yeah. having yeah, so having the shaper or, um, is like to me less efficient. I don't know. Yeah. And so that's where, why I want to talk about this because I often think about efficiency and effectiveness and what your goal is. Right. So one thing my dad taught me a long time ago, we were driving somewhere and, and we were going somewhere and he, and I, I was like, I think there's a better way to get here. Right. It was like driving in and, you know, in my own town, but I was new, just moved here. And I said, I think there's a better way to get here. I think if I turn here and, and then there's like, you know, some road up there, I think I can get there and it'll be like, you know, cut, cut a whole bunch of corners off. 
Um, and he said, you know, if you do that, that's great. And, you know, if, if we weren't on a timetable and we didn't have a, a time limit, you know, that would be great. But you'll lose a lot more time getting lost along the way than if you were to just go for the way that you know how to get there, right? If you know the way you, you're going to take there takes 30 minutes and you might be able to get there in 20 if you take a different way, well, you, it might also be 40 if you get lost along the way, right? Yeah. So yeah, those, it's just uh, like evaluate your goals. Yeah, and those things that um, – those unknowns, unknown unknowns take up a lot of time. Um, but you know, when you, when you talk about like effectiveness, um, I think a lot of times eff- trying to be efficient can get in the way of effectiveness for me. So like today at work, I had a lot of computer work to do and I could have just done it straight through all day. But if I had done that, I would have just, just gradually slowed down throughout the day and the quality of my work would get a little worse each passing hour. So rather than doing that every 20 minutes or so, I like stood up, walked around, went outside, went into the makerspace and cleaned some stuff up from the day before. Um, because people aren't robots. Like you can't force yourself to just do a repetitive task for eight hours and just expect that it will be done perfectly. And, uh, especially when it's not, not, yeah, go on. Like if you're button pressing for eight hours where there's no like creativity, there's no, like, it's like, even that you, you'll get worse and worse at, but when the, like you have to uh, imagine what you're doing and whether or not it'd be feasible to do it for eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. And the opposite of that as well. Um, I mean, this is something that, uh, Daniel Kahneman talks about in thinking fast and slow, which I talked about last week. Like if you're doing work that takes critical thinking and you're trying to like parse out important information, that's tiring. And if you just do it straight on, like you'll just get exhausted. So like, and that was sort of the work I was doing today. It was like, I, it was a large volume, but I like had to look for certain things and there wasn't a point where I could just like motor see. Cause so if I'm like working in fusion, for example, like designing something, that's the sort of work where I can go for a long time without a break. Because it, for me, it's a good mixture of like critical decisions and playing and kind of just going automatically. It, it hits all those bases, but, um, the other sort of work with like reading through a bunch of information and looking for certain things, like isn't really that as much. That's something I really need to like do throughout a period of time and, and take breaks and do some other like mindless tasks or some more like hands-on tasks mm-hmm. in the process. If I want to be effective. Right. It, it's like sanding. It's like the most efficient way to sand is, is to do it all at once. But for me, the most effective way so that I don't like, you know, want to just quit woodworking is to break it up into batches, right? Do a little bit at the time. Like I was wrote up the instructables for my little uh, toy car. Um, and I realized in it that when I looked at the footage, I sanded at steps that you didn't need to sand at, but it took that bit of like sanding and shaping and broke it up into like four different spots instead of, like having it all at once and then like being frustrated with the fact that you're doing it for so long. Right. I've actually been thinking about that with my workbench because I need to sand down all my pieces. Like that's my next step is to send all of the draw fronts and the workbench and everything. So I can make the, the draw pulls cause I need it to be sanded first. It only just occurred to me today that I don't need to send everything. Now I can send just the draw fronts and move on. Well, on on the thoughts of this, I was I was uh, on Instagram, and I was as I often do, uh, reading or listening, watching whatever you call it. Uh, Chris from Cow Dog Craftworks, and in his, he had highlighted a bit from a book. I don't know what book it was, but he was reading some woodworking book as he is wont to do, and uh, he he mentioned in the, he'd highlighted a little red circle around. You know, you can get away without having a jointer. But, like, it would be hard-pressed to get away without having a planer, right? Because a planer is just so much more efficient than hand planing. 
but a jointer is only a little bit more efficient than joint like than a power jointer, right? So mm. when you're thinking about what you need to buy, think about like how much more effective or efficient that will make your your workflow. Like I think about half the time I actually use my table saw for jointing instead of my jointer because I find my table saw I trust it more. It's easier to use for jointing with my little like jig I've built, especially if, I, if I'm doing any kind of large board. It's just so much easier to use uh, my table saw. So it's just one of those things that I, I like to think about. It kind of dovetails into the hidden costs of buying cheap things, right? It might cost less now, but it might uh, cause you more pain and heartache along the way. And if you add it all up over time, you might as well have just bought the, uh, the new one. Or conversely, you might have to buy so many replacements that it might even be more expensive to buy a cheaper thing than buy the nicer one. But as humans and consumers, we're really bad at seeing that. We, yeah, we definitely are. I, I know I'm, I fall into that trap all the time of buying like cheap tools at Canadian Tire when they go on sale 75% off, hashtag callback. Um, and, and I get burned half the time because they're so, they're so like cheap and they just break and they're got like a lifetime warranty is great. Other than the fact that the amount of time that you spend being inefficient, going to the store and replacing, getting that lifetime warranty serviced, right? Well, either like it never breaks halfway through the day while you're working on something. It breaks at 11 o'clock at night when you have a deadline, right? And and now you're yep. screwed because you don't have anything. You can't go to the store. It's not open, you know? Amazon's got to speed up that drone delivery. Yeah. <laughs> I want next hour delivery. Thank you. Yes. I, don't, I can't even get next day delivery. I hate how long delivery takes. I, I, I don't buy things online a lot because of that. Mm. Like, um, so I'm on Monday going to pick up my, my Ranger and I need to put um, a radiator in it just so I can get it home. I can buy it online for like a hundred bucks or I can go to the shop and pay 160 and have it now. I'm just going to go to the shop and buy it now because I hate waiting for deliveries. Did you find a new Ranger to replace your totaled one? No. So I'm getting my totaled one back. Um, Apparently. So according to um, our road registry place, it hasn't been written off yet. So I'm hoping to fix it and then either sell it or keep it because I could fix it for like 500 bucks. Oh, okay. Like make it drivable, may not perfect. Yeah, it won't be perfect. It's like... yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there'll be a dent in the back or something, but like it's it's worth more like that than it, than that I'm going to get from insurance anyway, and I can fix it for less than what my excess is going to be. So yeah, yeah, definitely crazy. Well, we'll not go into a, a grant rant or a G rant into insurance. <laughs> Actually, yeah. well, Adam, that you saying that reminded me because I was thinking about your stories that I was watching this week, and you posted that little tip about drilling into drywall drywall yeah. and how you can just use um, a screwdriver tip. Mm. And I thought that was such a good idea because like the quality of that hole does not matter in the least. All that matters is that exactly. it's the right size and that it works. Yep. And that is a great example of like where like quick, efficient things make so much sense. It's, it's those quick and dirty contractor uh, <laughs> tricks because they know <laughs> after 20 years of experience where the hole doesn't have to be perfect or where the cut line doesn't have to be perfect. And Mm. I think that's where you can lose a lot of efficiency is paying the same attention to detail of sanding the back uh, outside edge of a drawer as the front drawer face. (laughs) And then you realize, oh, no one's ever going to see this. (laughs) My my drawers for my workbench are not going to be sanded at all except for the front. Yeah. Because I don't care. Like, it, it, yeah, okay. If it was furniture I'm making to sell, all right, I'm going to make it a lot nicer. But for for something that's just for my own shop, I really don't care what the inside. Like, you don't see it unless you pull the drawer out. Why would I care? Yeah, and you're mm-hmm. going to drop a, a driver in there, and it's going to dent it the first day anyway. Exactly. 
I remember watching it like a really old, like a long, like four years ago, watching a Jimmy Dressa video, maybe three years ago. And he installed a, like a bullet bourbon diorama, basically, um, of their, like it had like, you know, like he built out like a fake distillery. Um, and one of the comments I remember, cause back then I used to read comments cause I, still liked my life i guess i don't know or i hated my life a lot i don't know how it worked um but i read the comments and they're like i can't believe she didn't finish the backside of that it's like it's hanging on a wall no one is ever going to see the backside right like <laughs> but it's like well he didn't put the finish on the back like it wasn't even the like it was a stain right it's like well why waste yeah. the stain so that it sits on the back like this guy's in business making yeah. things like he doesn't have time for that no i people I had people make that comment when I, uh, a couple of videos ago when I made a belt and they were like, why didn't you dye the back? And I said, because you don't see it when you wear it. And it looks <laughs> bad anyway when you dye the, the suede, suede side part, leather, yeah. unless like you add a ton of dye and it's such a waste. Mm. And so, yeah, I just, I don't really understand where that sentiment comes from. I think, I think I've kind of touched on this a few times in the past few episodes, but like, I've been thinking a little bit recently about just like, you know, like everything you make will eventually just like break and fall apart and get thrown away or recycled or repurposed or something else. Like it's not going to last forever. And I think people can get way too caught up on the fact that like it needs to be perfect and it just doesn't make any sense considering the lifetime of the thing. Like, yes, make your thing look nice. Like, and I'm going to make my things look nice, but like, you know, there's a, you got to keep a little bit of perspective. Totally. And on top of that, it's, I'm going to put this out here. If it breaks, I'm guessing you know how to fix it. Oh yeah. That's my most common response when someone is like, well, what if that breaks? And I'm like, I can make a new one. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I was, I don't know, but that's the thing. It's like, do you worry about trying to make it perfect? Or do you try and get make it like, especially we're talking with shop furniture, like a, a workbench or something. Like how much time do I want to spend trying to make my workbenches perfect when I'm likely just going to spill oil and glue all over them or something stupid like that or or cut into them with my circular saw. It's like that's why I went with like I, I just decided plywood tops and I or like I think Jimmy uses MDF tops and then you don't worry about cutting into it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, that's like the workbench I'm making now. I'm purposely making the top to be removable um, and out of MDF because I know it, like, that's my current workbench looks like absolute crap because I've spilt stuff on it. I don't have the energy to, like, keep up with keeping it clean, nor do I want to waste that time because it's not efficient. Right. So, so I make a top that I can just unscrew and put a new one on. And it's not in your living room. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Like it's it's not meant to be pretty. Yeah. And as I messaged Dana, uh Mark Dana and I said um I said your your workbench looks beautiful but like I don't I wouldn't want to use it. <laughs> like you know, I I was in love with my workbench when I first made it. I didn't want to use it. And then like I spilled the first thing on I'm like, "Oh, whatever. Who cares?" But yeah. Well, that's right. the, well, like that's the- one of the fun things about like being able to make stuff. It's like, you can decide that you want to make something way over the top. Um, but it's not like everything I'm sure not everything Mark makes is equally as over the top as everything else. Like you make those decisions yeah, specifically, or I I don't know, unless you're a superhero, I don't know, Mark, are you a superhero? Can you just make everything (laughs) perfect and put like a million hours into each project? You know, you pick your battles. Totally. I, I think that's a really good part. It's, it's, you choose, what is the goal for this thing and what are you trying to get out of it? Right. And if it's your hobby and your thing is woodworking and then you enjoy or making things and you enjoy the, the part of making it, then don't like stop worrying about trying to be the most efficient. But if you're trying to make money, efficiency comes into play. And I think that's where a lot of people that comment negatively about you doing something inefficiently are very concerned about making money off something. Right. Like anytime I've gotten kind of a negative thing, it's like, well, that's not the best way to do that. And I go, well, did it work? Yeah. Well, then 
don't worry about it. If you have a better way, go make your own video and show the world how to make that thing the better way, right? Exactly. But, you know, like efficiency, I I don't think always does have to be about like making money. Like sometimes doing, finding efficient ways to do something like is really fun. And, you know, like figuring out the systems. There's this fantastic, I think it was a number file video. It was one of Brady Heron's channels. Um, and he did a few video series about this, uh, kooky old physics professor in like Berkeley, California, who makes, uh, glass blown Klein bottles, which is this mathematical object that only has one surface, even though it's in 3d, it's like the 3d rendition of a Mobius strip. And in his basement, he has this whole like warehouse set up in his crawl space and a robotic forklift that goes and retrieves them in all the different boxes. And it's all this like inventoried system. And like, yeah, I think, I think he did turn it into a business, but it's wonderful and it's whimsical and it's so much fun. And totally, you know, like those, those over the top logistics, or even if not over the top, but just making things work together. There's something really satisfying about that. I I'm with you hundred percent. Making things efficient is something like that is the thing that I enjoy about like that, or I've been praised about in my job all throughout my career is like, wow, you've really found like the best way, the most efficient way to do this. And it's all because I just keep like you did today. You just keep changing it until you figure out like the best way that involves the least amount of movement and the least amount of like putting the stuff down. But when I was making these drawers, I wasn't even thinking about that. I went, I'm enjoying this process. Let me just like, let me just do this 20 minutes, get this one drawer done, move on, you know, and walk away. Right. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. That's not, I'm not, I'm not a drawer maker for a living. I don't need to find the best way to do this. Um, well, and you know, the other side too is like, if you do try, if you do get wrapped up in efficiency too much about like things that don't need to be efficient or just about, you know, just too many things, you can find yourself like in a rut and especially in things that like don't need to be in a rut, um, in routines, in the way you just kind of like set up your life. Um, and that's one of the really nice things about experiences. I think that break up routines is it allows you to like realize those ruts and the things you've made a little too efficient and, and find better ways. And I, I, I bet I'm betting with COVID a lot of people, uh, will have fallen into quite the rut in their own living arrangements. And when the world opens up a little bit, it's going to be like, Oh my gosh, like I didn't realize how much of like a pattern I've fallen into. I've, I've heard many people talk about this, how they've really like, in a very unexpected way, fallen into incredibly mechanical routines, like without even trying, like wake up at exactly the same time every day, eat the same thing for breakfast. And just because like each day is so similar, you kind of, your body just sort of like defaults that way because, you know, we sort of evolve to live efficiently. So when the situation presents itself, your body's like, okay, great. This is the best way to do it. Let's go. And that's something I was reading about the other day. Um, a news article was talking about like why people choose to like, some people choose to take the stairs and the, another person chooses the escalator. And it's an evolutionary thing, right? Mm. I like back when I used to go to work in the real world, um, I, I, uh, I would often meet a colleague of mine who, cause we took the same bus and the same train together. And there was this set of stairs and beside it was a, was an escalator, and I would always take the escalator, and I would run down the escalator. Like I don't, I, I don't know, I don't care. Like it wasn't about, it was about that was the more efficient way, right? And no matter how you looked at it, and she always took the stairs because she wanted that little bit of exercise, and that was definitely the healthy choice. And she was much healthier than I, um, that's a guarantee. But it was always that thing that I look back and I go, I was all, I always choose the most efficient way of doing something to the detriment of myself. Right. Like that's a good one to look at. I'm like, this is my only bit of exercise I get a day is going to the bus 
and to my to my office. It was the only now I get none. Uh, you know, was that? <laughs> and I would always choose. No, there's a set of stairs and an escalator. I'm unless there's a lot of people on the escalator. I'm choosing. I'm choosing it. Right. You know, you can still walk to the bus stop and back. Just don't catch the bus. Yeah, I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time. For that. <laughs> <laughs> just tell work you're running late because you're on your way yeah. but, but you're at home <laughs> it, it is funny when you do become so established in a routine it can almost seem unattainable that there are other ways of doing things um, and I've, I've noticed this all the times that I've started a new job and I've gotten very comfortable in my morning routine or whatever I'm like I- I'm going to have to wake up like two hours before I leave because it just takes me that long to get ready in the morning <laughs> But it doesn't. You just you're like a snail. You grow to fill the space that is given to you. Well, and this is the difference between my wife and I. I wake up half an hour before I have to go to work because I get up, I go to the toilet, have a shower, get ready, and go. She gets up like five minutes before she has to go to work. She doesn't have a shower or anything, and just gets up, gets dressed, goes. Yeah, you can really change up the speed of that that morning routine. Yeah. Well, the, a project takes as long as. As you as you let it take, I don't know exactly whose like law that is. It's a word that grows to it. fill the time allotted to it. I think that's the law. Yeah, 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 for sure. But it's exactly it's that. It's if I don't have a deadline, I have a real hard time finishing things. And it's I, part of it is I often will think in my head what's the best way to do something, to the point where I go, I've spent hours thinking about this. If I had done it, I'd be done by now. Right, like I've spent so much time thinking about yep. what's the best way. If I just gone out there and did it, I'd be done. You yeah. can say that about about a lot of things, you know. Like, like I, I say to myself, "Oh, it's going to take like two years to lose the weight I need to lose," and then I, I get discouraged from that. But then two years down the track, I'm like, "Well, if I started two years ago, or I even think it like at that present time, if I started two years ago, I'd be done now." Not, not done, but you know what I mean, like, right put things off because you think it's going to take too long. And I do that. I do that all the time. So to push back a little bit, I do think that taking the time to think something out and pre-planning is worth it a lot of the time, especially in projects. Um, You know, like there are definitely things that aren't worth thinking about a lot, but I think we also live in a society where busyness is put on such a pedestal that people feel uncomfortable if they're not being busy doing a task and just sitting and thinking and looking at all the things and how to do it doesn't really look very busy. So I think it's easy to feel insecure when you're doing that and you're like, no, 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 I should just get started. But I, I've, it's happened so many times from experience, like taking that extra time. And especially when you're with other people like who want to get started and you're like, no, just relax, just wait. Like, we, if we start this now before these other people come with the things that we need, like we're going to, we're going to cause more damage than if we just hold off. But it's, it's so funny. Like we have this self-sabotaging instinct to just like get started. And a lot of times, like it's not the way to, it's, it's really not the way to go. I, I'm with you a hundred percent, but at the same time you can spend too much. Like the, that's the problem with everything. One one side way too far, problematic. The other side way too far, problematic. It's all about finding the yeah, sweet yeah. spot. No, and I totally agree that like, you know, there's there's so many times when you don't have to overthink something. But um, I just wanted to add that little caveat of don't don't be insecure about just like just hanging back. And if other people are really trying to push forward and being that person, that's just like just hold on, everyone. <laughs> right. Think think it through. Yeah. But don't don't. Don't get a you know paralysis by analysis, which is what I I feel a lot of people get is that they just keep looking at it and go, I don't I don't even know what to do. Yeah, I know I know we've talked about it so many times, but I just love Jimmy Duresta's analogy or, or metaphor or example of you got to move that giant piece of cast iron down into your tiny New York basement shop. How are we going to get it down there? Well, the first step is you got to bring it down the first step and then you'll figure out the next one. And assuming the thing isn't too big to fit through the door, that works a lot of the time. (laughs) 
But if it's, it's too big to fit through the door, then it does. It is worth it to take a little bit of time to at least measure it first. Exactly. <laughs> I've never heard that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. And that, that's one of the things I love about you know spending time with people who are very experienced is like they know when to step back and and take a moment and measure the thing before you start. That's, that is where, like, I think so much learning in life comes from is seeing where people speed up and slow down. Right. Well, and, and I think like a good point of what, like Adam said earlier, it's like, I don't know. It reminds me of like Andy Pugh once told me when's a good time to plant a tree. Right. And it's like 40 years ago. Right. It's the best time to have planted a tree. Right. Where's the second best, when's the second best time today? Right. Like, yeah. that's it. Like, it's so do it now. If you want to enjoy a tree, I like when I moved into my house, I wanted to put a, a new tree in the backyard. I moved in eight years ago. I still haven't done it. Right. By the time I get around to doing it, it'll be like 40 years and I'll go, ah, right. Because I want to have a tree that, that grows so that the other trees, as they start to die off, it will be a medium or, or large sized tree. Right. But I have to do it. If you are going to put trees in the yard, though, please don't put palm trees. They are the worst to dig out once you move in. Ah, uh, right. I'll, I'll remember that. I think if Grant were to plant a palm tree, it would not last six months. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, meant that, I meant that for everyone, not just for Grant. <laughs> okay. Okay, done. I will, I will remember. No palm trees. No, no, honestly, though, like their root system is that bad. It's if you want to get like we moved into a house when I was younger, um, younger, like 10 years ago, younger. And there was about 13 palm trees out the front of this house. And like they were just randomly placed, like so ugly. It literally took us like a week to remove one tree because the root system is just that bad. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm always surprised at uh, that bamboo grows in cold climates i for some reason in my head i always think it's like a, a warm climate thing but then i'll be walking around toronto and be like oh that person has bamboo trees in their yard which makes sense because what? japan has snow in it so yeah you know, what? that's that's native place some of the largest I, snowfalls I can, like on record are in japan i can understand why you would think that like it looks like a you know so bright and green like it would be a, a summer yeah. sort of plant but i mean i i, I think i've seen a lot more videos of pandas in the snow eating bamboo than <laughs> not in the snow so but yeah i um speaking of bamboo i don't know how we're getting on this tangent but have you seen the mythbusters episode where they test about bamboo growing through people uh yeah and it works doesn't it yeah like so crazy yeah it's a very strong very strong plant that's I've something got i've bamboo been watching. flooring yeah it's cool I, I've, I've been wanting to try stuff with bamboo for a while not like the composite stuff you buy but actually like split my own bamboo and try to make different yeah, things cool. from it. it's it's such a in in asia it is such a versatile material they use it for everything mm-hmm. i would love to try and make like a blow gun out of bamboo i think that'd be really cool mm-hmm. like trying to work out how to actually clean out the inside properly and stuff yeah well, since we are getting pretty deep down a tangent, why don't I thank our patrons? We super appreciate everyone who supports us on Patreon. Um, you are all the best. If you support us there, you will get a custom embossed leather keychain. We've started doing a monthly pre-show hangout. And every episode, we do a pre-show and an after show. Um, which are always a good bit of fun. I think the past two weeks, maybe it was just the last one, but I feel like we went really long and kind of forgot we were doing an after show. (laughs) But uh, it was was a good time. Uh, If you want to learn more about that, you can go to patreon.com slash clamp. And if you want to support the show, but don't want to do Patreon, uh, we always appreciate it if you share it or leave us a review. It means a lot and helps the show out for sure. All right, plant recommendations. Uh, what? Before what? you go on, I want to yeah. quickly say, say, if you tag us in a story on Instagram, I will always reshare it. So, mm. if you want a free shout out from us on Instagram, tag us in a story. 
because I will always reshare it and you get a free shout out. Yes, I'm trying to buy your shares. <laughs> if you want to share about Clamp, don't forget to tag the rest of the people because we often I would love to share some of them, but I can't yeah. because Instagram only allows you to share things that you're tagged in. Yes, yeah, precisely. And if a neat, a neat little trick, if you want to – actually, no. No, because I want my name to be on there, so don't worry. <laughs> All right, Clamendations. Clamendations. Well, my Clamendation this week is going to be Vic from Down Under Woodworks. Um, all his projects really are, are, are pretty cool. Um, but I got onto him because I was looking up how to make a uh, like a DIY disc sander because I, I have a couple of spare motors and I've been wanting to make one for a while. And then just started binge watching all these projects. And yeah, they're really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vic's a good guy. Yeah. Nice. Um, I want to give a shout out to my friend, Emma. She is um, someone I met when working at Lake O'Hara Lodge. Um, And I didn't know it a ton then, although I I did see some of her work, but she's also an amazing painter. Um, And she recently started selling some of her work and as well as posting on Instagram. She does really beautiful landscapes and some sort of like impressionist Rocky Mountain scenes. Uh, We actually just bought one uh, because we're trying to fill up our apartment with art from our friends. Um, So she's Emma Fenton Art on Instagram, and she's just a lovely human being in general. So go support her because she's good. Beautiful. She's got a nice uh, humpback whale I saw on her Instagram. That's cool. Well, this week, I want to give a shout out to Rob T from the Takami Woodshop. Um, he did a little video about uh, his endless straps. They're like ratchet, ratchet straps that he uses for uh, tying things to his car. Actually, he doesn't have a car anymore because he sold his BMW wagon. That's how we used to be really good friends. I actually won that wagon, but because of lockdown, I couldn't go and collect it, uh, unfortunately. So thanks a lot for that, Rob. Fucking lockdown. Um so yeah, anyways, he did a great little thing showing you how to uh, strap things down securely and easily. Um, it's the same system I use when I strap down my canoe, um, but I don't use ratchet straps because I don't want to break my canoe in half. Uh, but yeah, it's a, a lot of uh, the uh, like a lot of the clamp systems or not clamp systems. A lot of the ratchet strap systems that I've seen have little hooks on them, and he was showing you to use them without the hooks. It's just a better system, and I agree. I very rarely use the hooks on my retro straps. That actually sounds yeah, like very useful. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Which, if you listen to the... Never mind. <laughs> All right. Um, we don't have any reviews this week, but it looks like Adam has a tip. Well, Grant does too. Um, So my tip is going on what we talked about with efficiency is to have a clean shop. My shop is very rarely clean, but when it is, I am a lot more efficient. Nice. Well, my, yeah, my tip this week, I'm going to talk about how to adjust your camera settings um, with, uh, in Windows, because in the Windows native camera thing, it doesn't have any kind of way of adjusting the the like hue, saturation, sharpness, all that garbage, brightness, contrast. Um, you know, you can like make yourself black and white. But anyways, if you want to do that very easily, use Skype. And I know Skype, uh, it's the worst system in the world. It's like impossible to leave from Windows, blah, blah, blah. I get that. It sucks. But it adjusts. If anyone's watching on YouTube right now, you can see I'm in black and white. Um, and that's all because I can adjust things on Skype. It's got this really great... Uh, system. I, I downloaded it because for some reason in Windows, it defaults to having this low light compensation. And when you've got a whole bunch of lights on you and lights behind you, uh, they just like overpower. They, the computer webcam on my laptop just didn't know what to do. And it would just blow me out. And I would just look super, super white. And everyone out there probably thinks I'm super white, but I'm not because that's just the the camera doing that, I swear. Um I do have a nice tan. I know I have a tan because I can roll up my sleeves and see the tan lines. Um, so anyways, you can use this uh, to 
to play around <laughs> with different to play around and make yourself different colors like I'm doing right now if you're watching the YouTube video. Nice. Oh, boy. Um, I don't know if I have a tip, but I will think quickly. And nope, I don't have one. Sorry. All right. I should really think about this before we actually do the episode, but since we've only started doing it the last few ones, I always forget until right this moment. Well, you had like two tips ahead of you to think about it. Well, I was listening to your guys's and I, actually Grant, oh, while you were saying that I like started opening Skype to see if I could start playing with it as you were saying it. But then I remembered that like, Zencaster really doesn't like it if you have too many apps open and it was slow. And I was like, Oh no. And I, I closed it out of fright. Half, half the time I forget to get a client mandation, but he had a tip. Yeah. All right. Um, if, Oh, TF turning. Thank you for the theme music. Um, I always sing it during the after show and it's a yam. If uh, you want to see Grant's wonderful cover art, you can see it on Instagram at clampcast. You can find us at clampcast.com, the website. Did I miss a the in either of those? No, it's just clampcast, right? I don't know. I think, I don't think right. so. But just Google so. us. Clamp, Morley, Adam, Grant. We're also on YouTube, <laughs> Twitter, the clampcast. Um, and I think that's about it. So thanks for listening or watching and you can never have too many clamps. So bye. Well, bye. <laughs> <laughs> so don't forget to share this with a friend. I was just following Adam's lead. <laughs> just yeah, cutting myself. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>